Hello, I am Jamie from Stonemeyer Games, and I'm really excited about today's video. It's something different than what I usually put out on Sundays. I'm joined by special guest James that I'll introduce in just a moment as we reveal what this video is all about. So James, why don't you let people know who you are, and then I'll, I'll introduce the topic of what we're, what we're going into today. Sure. I'm just a, a random hobbyist who uh, loves board games and spends a lot of time playing board games. Um, you know, it's something my family's done for years. Um, you know, if you like winning, don't play with my kids. They're brutal. <laughs> I mean, but, um, and, you know, I noticed at some point that, you know, every game group I encountered, there were people who won a lot and there were people who, you know, didn't win as much. And sometimes uh, that was fine. And sometimes it wasn't as good, uh, depending on who that person was who lost a lot. And um, I really came to an impression of, wouldn't it be cool if you could help those those players? And, you know, this might have been at a time when my kids were younger and I was the dominant player. Honestly, these days I need the videos because uh, my kids are, are, one's college age and one's getting there. And uh, yeah, they they grew up playing games. They're playing Terraforming Mars at eight and nine. So by now they are brutal, um, you know. And uh, but the other thing is, I, I'm just curious about how games work. And um, and I like to play games enough times that I really feel like I know something about the game. Um, so uh, that's the beginning of it. And then I I like videography. So. I started doing uh, some YouTube videos. I've um, done them in a couple topics. Board games is the only one anyone was interested in watching. Um, <laughs> you know. And um, I've uh, decided now to, to take it a little more seriously. I did a couple videos a couple years ago. They've done pretty well. And um, I'm trying to, to build an audience to talk about strategy and board games. Um, so I'll stop. That's probably enough. <laughs> well, yeah, I appreciate that context. Um, from from my point of view, I, I became aware of James's channel a few weeks ago when he shared that he had put out a video about expeditions mm -hmm. strategy. Some tips for people who are kind of getting into the game, but quite a few tips that are kind of deep, advanced strategy uh, tips mm -hmm. and, and advice and recommendations or things to try. And I have had people ask me for that sort of content for a long time. They want to know the deep strategy tips, not just the surface level getting into the game tips. But the getting into the game tips are the ones that I am most familiar with for, with our games. Because when I'm typically playing one of my games, I am usually playing with a newer player. And so I'm helping them, I'm helping to onboard them into the game. I'm not right. as good as, at coming up with those deep strategy tips. And James' video was excellent about that. And so I reached out to James to say, if you'd be willing to spend a few minutes with me to talk about a few of those tips from Expeditions, which I'll link to that video in the comments below or the description below. And also, James is working on, as we're filming this, he's working on an apiary video. And so he's going to give us a few deep strategy tips for apiary as well that will segue into that video, which will also be linked to in the description below. So if you're interested in either of those games, I'll separate them in the timestamps if you're only interested in one or the other. Um, and you can, you can delve into what James says today and also his deeper thoughts in those videos. So I'm really excited to hear your deep strategy tips and we'll talk, I'll give a little bit of, of a perspective as the designer of Expeditions and the publisher developer of Apiary as we're talking about the games. Okay. Should we jump in and uh, go to Expeditions? Sure, absolutely. So um, 
you know, probably a core observation about expeditions is that in the late game, uh, you have this nice cycle that forms. Um, you know, you have at that point maybe a couple stars. So your character and your companion are generating, uh, you know, three power and or guile every time they're played. And if you use your character to solve a quest, that will generate one to four more power and or guile. And it turns out that that is exactly the average amount of power and guile that appear on a central board space. And um, so I, I suspect that wasn't an accident. Um, it creates a little cycle that you can run. You solve a quest, you go meld a couple meteorites, or you upgrade a couple items, and then you go solve another quest, right? You refresh somewhere in there. And, you know, because you might have the wrong kind of power and guile, you may have to do a few gather rounds elsewhere. But, you know, it, it kind of works out, and the game builds to a, a big conclusion that way. Um, so how do you set that up in the first half of the game? Um, well, you know, and, and here I'll ask Jamie a question. You know, the, the easiest glory category to score in the game has got to be map tokens. And I bet that's not an accident either, uh, because... Jamie needed to motivate players to explore the board and uh, make it, because otherwise it'd slow down at some point, right? I mean, right. Yeah. Yeah. Encourage players to explore and to give them also a little bit of a sense of progress uh, in, yeah. in the first third of the game. Yeah. So, you know, the other goal that I talk about as being uh, low hanging fruit is cards. If I'm going to score meteorites or items, I'm going to end up with four of those cards and a couple quests. I have eight cards. I might as well score the goal. Right. Um, and so if you think of that as the pattern of the game, one thing I, I kind of like about the game, I want to ask Jamie about is, you know, the first part, you're exploring, you're learning about your environment, you're learning about your character, in effect, because you're gathering cards. And, you know, it, it's nice, it's fun, and it gives you this nice sort of, hey, this is a relaxed game, we can hang out together and, and, and build these cool characters. And then somebody, boom, they vanquish at a boast site they score two stars and you're like oh i have to get started now <laughs> and then two turns later bam they've placed two meteorites they've already got four uh vanquished tokens you're looking over there going oh my goodness the game is over uh you know and, and uh, i just think there's elements of the mechanics of the game that create uh sort of a classic two-act narrative structure and and i wonder how you think about that when you're building the game yeah i i I definitely, so I think of it in terms of uh, kind of tipping points in the game. Um, mm -hmm. And it does play directly into the narrative where I want players to feel like they're building up to something and then that they're getting, they're paying off. Whether it's like the final third of the game or the final half of the game. But they're, you know, they're building up and then using the things that they've created, using these cards they've accumulated, these cards mm -hmm. that maybe they've melded or, or upgraded, um, and, and using that to really have strong, powerful turns for the last third of the game. Uh, I, like you said, I think it plays into the narrative of going on, like go, going into the unknown and not knowing what you're getting into, and then knowing what you're into and using that to your benefit uh, plays into that as well as the mechanical payoff. Um, yeah. 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 yeah I, I, I think it's nice, right? And it was, uh, I replayed Scythe a couple times this week. Uh, it's been a while, you know, uh, because I do tend to play a game over and over a little bit. So it takes a while to get back sometimes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, beyond just sort of the opulence of Scythe, uh, uh, it's so beautiful. But beyond that, there is this story that comes out of it. 
Um, this week, it was the story of my daughter killing me um, over and over. But, <laughs> you know, but, um, but, but, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it's still a, a nice game that has this aspect. I, I, I should stop. We're here to talk about strategy. Anyway, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah. So, what's your second? You have a second tip for expeditions that you want to go into? Well, well, that that's that's just basis. I the yeah. thing I thought was interesting to talk about is next level would be when would you do something else? Um, because right. this is not a game that has a fixed path. And um, one thing I, I'm holding here a card, which is uh, you know chart the course north. And yeah. this is the only card in the game that has a boast action on it. Um, and if you have this card, I think you play differently. Um, and I'll tell you why. It's because usually I would go ahead and get eight cards and I get five map tokens. I would vanquish a boast site, assuming I could find one and I have the, the resources. And I would immediately place those two stars. It's very action efficient. However, while you're running around getting tokens, you will sometimes have play actions that you can't use that well. And so you could just, you know, really rush map tokens, for example, and then immediately boast that. And now while I'm gathering cards, I'm getting double the power and guile I would have otherwise. I'm really building up power and guile. And that's that's nice. And then even when I've got my eight cards, maybe I don't really need to vanquish a boast side. I only need one boast action to score the cards. Maybe I just use this again. And now I'm going in the last half of the game with a lot of power and guile, um, more than everyone else, because I've been getting double points and I didn't zero myself out on that first boast action. So that's pretty cool. That gives me a lot of options. Maybe I could go to the north and vanquish three tokens at once, um, which would propel me toward the seven tokens goal. Or maybe I'm so close to 10 and 10 that I just go ahead and take down the 20 corruption tile. So. Um, I just think this card is super great. Every time this card comes out, everyone at the table should sort of lean forward and go, oh, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's a good one. So, and it changes the game, you know, yeah. the, the base strategy I've talked about is, you know, what if you don't draw very good cards? Basically, I, I'm basically saying, what if you have to use your companion and your character predominantly, um, well, there are some great cards in here. So um, another one that I think is interesting, um, and this goes uh, across the game, is pretty much any card that gives you a bottom action on the top is interesting, right? And I'm holding here an item that allows you to upgrade. And importantly, it also um, gives you an extra point every time you upgrade. Um, Let's see if I can yeah. find an image of items while you're, while you're talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So, so, you know, items are worth three points a piece on average. If you have this card, suddenly they're worth four points a piece. So yeah. that makes them worth, you know, 16 points for four, much more competitive with meteorites. Uh, I think you should be aiming to score 20 points with meteorites. Um, and so that's already good. But the other thing is, um, might you sneak this card in in the first half and upgrade an item early? You know, there's really two reasons you don't do that. One is that you want to get eight cards, and upgrading an item early is one card you don't get to count. Right. And 
the other reason is you simply don't have enough power and guile to vanquish the site you need to, to mail that item. This solves one of those problems, but not necessarily the other one. So I would say in a lot of cases, you're really going to use this card um, just, just to have that extra point. You're going to, this can be the first item you meld and, or upgrade, I'm sorry. And, you know, that's how to best use this card. There might be exceptions to that. And I want to talk about a potential exception to that. There's a really high scoring strategy in this game that I would love to see work. Mm -hmm. And I haven't really seen it work yet, but I would love to. It's, it's, it's like a holy grail strategy. And that is, yeah, skip cards. We're going to score vanquish tokens, meteorites, items, and five map tokens. It, it would be cool, right? So the question is, you know you're slower than everyone else. So can you stay ahead in points throughout the game so that no one else has a motivation to close you out too early? And this might be the card for it. This is an item that melds meteorites. And it has the special ability that I get the, the effect of the meteorite right as I'm, as I'm melding it. Mm -hmm. And so that makes you think, I wonder what all those meteorites do. And the first answer to that question is um, eight of them. Eight of them give you a card. Okay. And so a third of the meteorite deck almost uh, mm -hmm. gives you a card. And so that's pretty neat because the whole reason I didn't want to do this is because I was going to lose a card. But if I can play this and immediately get a card back, at least nothing. Hmm. The only challenge of that is that all those cards that give you cards score cards. Um, and so you don't want to play your first meteorite down and score nothing on it. So you can't do this too early because you have to have enough cards in your control that it scores well. Um, and so it's not perfect, but it does start to sound like that, that Holy Grail strategy where maybe I could start playing cards underneath my board earlier without slowing down my progress too much. And because I'd have some meteorites scored, people would be afraid to close the game early on me because they'd know I was ahead. Um, so anyway, I, I wonder if, if you think any of that has any validity at all, but, but those were the, the ideas I had. I think all of it has validity, absolutely. Um, and I, I love the idea of keeping an eye out for certain cards uh, and, and building your strategy around them. I, I tried to design a bunch of cards like that where if you, if you had that card, it would push you, either nudge you or push you strongly in a specific direction. Um, right. And you've given some fantastic examples here. Yeah, yeah thank you. Yeah. yeah. It, it's fun for me. I, I love... I call it mathematics. It's really probably logic, right? But um, I, I just love the mathematics of the games, and I, I, I can see the choices designers have made sometimes. Mm -hmm. with, with your game here, I certainly can. Um, and it, it's neat. You, you kind of understand how the game works all of a sudden, and it, you feel like you're in on a secret. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, yeah, so so you know that that's kind of what I had prepared for expeditions. Is there something awesome. you'd like to talk about otherwise on it, or no? I think you covered it really well, and I think this gives people a taste of the type of 
the level at which you're thinking about these games, which I think is fantastic. And um, so I hope if someone has watched this and wants to not continue watching about Apiary, that you'll dive into James's video because I think it, it is it's excellent. Um, and more graphics too. I haven't found any good, some good photos to pair with this, but his his video is a little bit a little bit more polished than what we've done here today. But let's jump over to Apiary and talk about a game that I didn't design, but I had a hand in developing. A game that I'm still trying to figure out as a player myself, but having right. having a delightful time with it. Um, let's talk about Apiary for a few minutes. So I'll pull that up and hopefully find some better images as you, you know talking about it. The first thing to say about Apiary is that this is a deeply tactical game. Um, I would compare it to a game like Lost Ruins of Arnak. Not, not that it's that similar in a mechanical sense or anything. I'm just saying that it's certainly not the same in theme. But you yeah. know, it it it's very tactical. So general statements about this game are difficult, and the video will be talking about specific plays that that you need to take or can take if if the right tiles and cards are in your possession. Um, but this is one of those interesting games where you play it a few times and you think you know it, you think you're getting good, and yeah. then the next game you just get shellacked. Yeah. And um, I I like it. It's a challenge. It's it's something that you have to dig in a little deeper, frankly. If you want to win this game a lot, you're gonna have to get very good at it. The um but let's let's talk a little bit more specifically. You know, I think one of the main things here is to understand how long the game is. Um, you know, you have to advance four Bs to level four. Um, you're generally going to start with level two B. If you add it up, that's 15 worker placement turns. Um, and you add in some retrieve actions and you consider the fact that there is a final turn. And you'll end up with about 20. So you're gonna have about 20 turns. My actual experience is it runs 20 to 24 turns. Mm -hmm. um, and it can run a little longer even if people are not doing an effective job of uh, you know, hibernating their beasts. But you know, 20 to 24 is a good estimate. So I need 100 points in this game mm -hmm. to beat a good player. That might surprise some people because the first time you play, you're gonna get 45. But Right. It's out there, I promise. So yeah. uh, first time I played, I got 45, right? I mean, you know, the um, that means five points a turn. Mm. And actually, this is a really, this is, this is probably the most valuable thing I can tell you about apiaries. You're going to be making tactical decisions based on what's on the board. You'll be thinking two or three turns in advance. Um, and if you're not getting to five points a turn on your two, three point plan, uh, you're not doing well. Now, obviously, at the beginning of the game, you're setting up, you're building a little bit. At the end of the game, you need some big turns, right? But, um, but you should be thinking about five points a turn. And it'll also get you in the right mind frame for this game. Your critical resource here is not honey. Your critical resource is turns. You must think about turns. Um, and if you're wondering how much a certain action costs, think in turns. Um, so that's, that's the biggest strategic idea I think you can, you can take away. Um, now, how do we think about that a little bit in some more specific cases? One thing I've been thinking a lot about is farms. I've had some huge games playing, uh, farms and the way you do it is you really only need two farms. 
um, you know, for income purposes. You might have a few for storage, which is another use of farms. But you know, there's some nice farms in here. There's there's a farm that actually a couple farms that give you three points. And there's some really horrific farms in here, like <laughs> this one, which gives me water and stores water, which are two things I almost never need. Um, so, you know, uh, you know, this three pointer, though, you get a three pointer and maybe you get the one that gives you three queens favor and you put those down. Um, you know, usually I'd say queens favor is only worth a, a half a point. But but queens favor, if you're generating three every time you refresh actually becomes worth a point because you're very likely to get to 25 queen's favor. So if I have those two farms, I don't care if I have four bees. Every time I have two bees on the board or, or a bee on my landing area, I'm going to refresh, 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 because I'm getting my five points. Right. right? And right. so get down two great farms, refresh. Refresh eight times a game at that point, right? <laughs> I mean, you're, you're thrilled to refresh. Um, so that's, that's the farm strategy. It's dependent on having the right farms. It's depending on playing them early. Obviously, uh, this is one of those things you don't want to do in the last quarter of the game. Um, but it's, it's important. Um, you know, another core idea I'll, I'll give you on, on the game. And I'm sorry, I'm kind of dominating the, 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 no, no, but you know, the other, the other thing I would talk about is um, I'm, I'm struggling about which of the two things I'll talk about. I think I'll talk about carvings. Carvings are okay. the biggest scoring opportunity in the game. I'll try to find but, the photo again while you're talking about it. Yeah. Carvings are the, but, yeah, they are the, uh, they cost honey. They're expensive. Um, right. Or at least to get there is expensive, but they, right. and they're limited. They don't refresh. So no, they don't refresh. And yeah. usually some of them work for you and some of them don't. Most of them have their use, but they may not have a use for you. Um, you know. Right. Um, you know, so let's take this five points a turn idea and apply it to honey. The, the easiest way to get resources in this game is to explore. Um, generally, I'll be able to get two resources of my choice when I explore. I might get three resources, but they're probably not of my choice at that point. Um, so if I go to convert and I buy honey, it costs me three specific resources, two pollen and a water, if I recall. And so to get three specific resources twice, because most of these tiles cost two honey, um, is three explore turns. Mm -hmm. And then I have to go convert. That's a fourth turn. And then I will carve with the level four worker. That's five turns. So five times five is 25. And you will ask me maybe, or I will ask you, can I score 25 points on a carving? And the answer is occasionally. Um, but more typical number is 12. Yeah. So uh, we can immediately determine that this portion of the board is kind of a waste of space and ignore it. Um, but Interesting. here's the thing. You can teach these dances if you take a level four B to, to con the conversion action. And at least in the play groups I've been with, one of the most common things you do with that dance is you make free honey or cheap honey. 
you know, you 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 exchange one point for honey, or you exchange a, a queen's favor to for honey. And so, if you get that conversion set up, okay, fine. I can go to convert with a level four worker. I set up cheap honey. I put my cube on it. So if anyone else uses it, I get a very minor benefit. And I can immediately convert up to four honey, assuming I have four honey storage, which isn't guaranteed. But I can immediately get four honey. And now I can buy two carvings uh, with that four honey. And I've spent one turn, right? Now that is a power play but there's a problem if i set up that conversion with my level four worker and someone else comes behind me with a level two worker and picks up honey mm -hmm. then on the turn after that they're going to come in and they're going to steal somehow they'll always know which one i want they're going to take <laughs> the carving i wanted right and and i'm gonna be really unhappy because mm -hmm. uh yeah i just fed them um, and I got a couple Queens favor, maybe, you know, it's, it's like a point to me. Um, so the trick isn't having one level four worker, it's having two level four workers so that mm. you hit, hit the conversion, you make cheap honey and you go take the first carving. Mm -hmm. So the trick to this strategy is not, is not, uh, knowing it. It's simple. The trick is getting two level four workers before anyone else does. And assuming you're not specially advantaged by your faction, the way you're going to do that is you're going to uh, play with two Bs. You're going to place a B, place a B, refresh, place a B, place a B, refresh. Huh? And you're going to get two level four workers about as fast as, as anyone can. Uh, maybe you could accelerate it some way cards is the obvious way but unfortunately you probably don't have cards that early in the game so you know you're you're just sitting there turning turning the wheel as fast as you can to get to two level four workers and um now think about how well that works if you manage to get a couple decent farms out early and you can start to see a synergy between the two things i've talked about if i'm gonna go worker worker refresh worker worker refresh wouldn't it be awesome if those refresh turns weren't awful um, and maybe you can't do quite as good as five points every refresh turn that early in the game, but you can get something. And, um, you know, that's the kind of little engine that might propel you to a pretty amazing score if you have the right carvings out. So I'm curious uh, with that, Jason, before you go on, I, with the, the landing area option in the game. Right. So this is the area of the game where if someone bumps you, right, you can get that worker back to your active pool so you can place it again or right. you can place it in your landing area so that you can actually use it for that farm do you find yourself yeah. if you do get those two really good farms do you find yourself using the landing area or is it still not as if efficient? i have the right farms i okay. would always use the landing area um okay. cool if i don't have the right farms meaning i'm not getting five points right um uh, then i would always take the opportunity to do something else and that that's that's a good example. Actually, thanks. That's a great example of what I was saying. It's a tactical game. Yeah. You know, I can tell you the farm strategy. I've won with farm strategy. I've gotten big scores with farm strategy. But ah, yeah, sometimes you don't want to do that at all. Yeah. You know, you don't have the right farms. You don't have the resources right. to buy farms. You, you just have this. The, the carvings are so good that you don't even want to waste that moment to refresh, even if you're getting points. Right. Uh, you just want to keep cranking toward four to grab that carving you need. I mean, yeah. 
there's a carving in this game that gives you one victory point per queen's favor. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if you have 25 queen's favor and that tile, yeah. that's 50 points just there. Yeah. If you're doing that, you're probably farming points as well. So you probably have 25 in-game scoring points. You're at 75 points. We haven't scored a carving. We haven't scored anything under the board. You know, this is where, you, and, and this game can generate some outside scores sometimes. Mm -hmm. This is where it does it, right? Is when you get some crazy combination like that, and suddenly you're starting to move your token not only around the board, but onto the second side. You know, and, you know, um, and it, I, I don't think it's even healthy to try to do that every game because there's a, there's a certain element of you got the right things when that happens. And also, the times I've seen that happen the most often were times when maybe there was an imbalance in the table. You know, maybe some people were being taught the game and some people who weren't being taught the game. Um, and, you know, people weren't competing effectively for the best opportunities. Um, you know, so, so I'm not saying that everyone should always be aiming to score 120 points or 130 points in this game. I'm just saying that's how it's done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right? Um, you should aim to score 100 points in this game. Um, and then if the game does run to 24 turns or 25 turns, you'll, you'll, you'll maybe do a little better. But, um, but if the run, game runs to 20 turns and you get 100 points, you've done, you've done everything that made sense, probably. Um, you know, and, you know, so, yeah. So, I mean, that's how I'm thinking about Apiary. I, I've got a script. I'm starting to, to do a little bit of filming. Um, and, you know, this process takes me a while. I, I enjoy videography, so I mess around with my videos, as, as, as you've seen, Jamie. You know, I, I, I do a lot of editing, and, and I try to make them fun, hopefully. Um, they're fun for me anyway. Uh, you know, <laughs> my, my wife likes them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's what board gaming is about. Right? I mean, I think sometimes we get so caught up in, you know, the latest, greatest, or the, you know, the, the rankings, or, you know, arguments over this or that, that we forget that this whole hobby is supposed to be about playing games and hanging out with friends. And, you know, that's, that's uh, part of what I'm trying to bring. It's not just like a hard nose, like, oh, we're all going to sit around and kill each other by eking out every point, but also <laughs> just kind of some goofiness. <laughs> you know? um, well, I, I really like that approach to uh, the videos of yours that I've, that I've watched, because I, in general, as a, as a gamer, I, there are a few other sources for like strategies and games. Right. Um, there aren't a lot. I wish there were more, but there aren't a lot. But oftentimes I avoid them because I want to discover those strategies on my own. I, yeah, like, that's how I get enjoyment out of games, trying different things. But mm -hmm. what I really like about your videos and even just the way you've talked about them today is you're not saying this is the thing that you should always do. You're giving a framework right. for a way, like you talked about, think about apiary in, the, in terms of turns. And with both expeditions and apiary, you talked about circumstances. Sometimes some of those cards that you mentioned right. aren't going to come up. Some of these tiles aren't going to come up. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I really like this about your videos. Anyone who, who likes this line of thinking, you'll see a bunch of different paths to consider if circumstances mm -hmm. arise. Mm -hmm. And um, I look forward to trying them and just seeing what happens. Like Even with the 2B right. strategy that you mentioned, getting 2Bs up to level 4 as quickly as possible, there's a lot of paths and branches that can take even within that. Right. So I want to try that, but I want to take my own path while while doing so. Yeah. You know, a lot of times um, I 
you know, you're like, oh, you're a strategy guy. You must always win. You know, you know, not always. Um, and part of that is that, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the game like everybody else. But part of it is, you know, I'll just try something. Um, in the expeditions video, I talk about, oh, I'm going to rush quests early. And that's really not great. That's exactly how I played my first game, right? <laughs> I mean, because I was just like, oh, what looks fun here? Quests look fun. I'll do that. Yeah, I just got shellacked. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm like, yeah, okay. Uh, maybe I won't do that again. Um, you know, but um, yeah, you, you just explore the game, try different things, and, and you'll probably find better strategies than I have. Um, and, and I hope you do, really. Um, and there's this funny disclaimer at the front of my videos that I've always put in, which is, if you're a grandmaster, this isn't for you. And um, it, it's, it's because of this philosophy I have, which is I, um, at one time I, I played chess a little bit, you know, competitively, but not very well. And, um, but that means I'd memorized a few dozen openings to 10 moves. It means I had studied books and books and books about chess. And um, it was actually, I, I got a chance to play with the guy who had a master rating and I realized, oh, I'm either going to have to spend my life on chess or stop. And I, I pretty much never played again. Um, you know, and, you know, so I don't want to turn board games into that, right? Um, right. We still want to have fun. We still want to explore. We don't want to have to sit around memorizing charts all day. Um, you know, uh, but still, in a world where people have big collections, and sometimes they, they don't play games as many times as, as they might, um, they may have a hard time exploring and understanding the game without a little help. And, you know, that's another thing that maybe a video like this could help someone with. I don't know. When I do hear the question every now and then someone pops up in one of our Facebook groups and they say, I love this game. I've played it a dozen times. I know I'm going to play it another dozen times, but I never win. And I'd love to, I'd love to do better at the game. And I love that your channel serves that person really, really well because they already know the game. They don't need to have the game taught to right. them. They're not looking for a review. They're looking to go deeper into a game they already love. And I think your videos do an excellent job of doing that. Thank you. I really appreciate that, especially from you. That means a lot. Well, thanks, James. I appreciate your time today. These tips, I, I, I'm excited to play Apiary now after you've given these tips um, and, and see how I can do with it. Uh, we'll link below. So again, James hasn't filmed the Apiary video, but I'm going to time the release of this so that you can go right. right from this video and go right over to that APR video. The Expeditions video is already out, and you can check it out. You can share your thoughts in the comments. I'm sure James would love to hear your strategy. Absolutely. You've tried and haven't tried. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for your time today, James. I really, really appreciate this. Yeah, Jamie, thank you. And, uh, you know, thanks for making so many games I've enjoyed. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, it's cool. Well, thanks, James. I'll, yeah. I'll keep trying to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Ha <laughs> <laughs>